1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance and the USA Wealth Group alongside Phil Paleologos. Get your finances in order. Money Wise starts now. Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. What a delight it is to have, well, one of the very, very best that I can think of, Ray Lance, right here at WBSM, sharing his wisdom on the Sunday morning. And, of course, your way of sharing wisdom is to help people protect themselves, their families, and I don't think there could be a greater gift than that. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, Phil. Thank you for this wonderful introduction every week. from the heart, buddy. I appreciate it. Thank you. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to MoneyWise. Our goal here is real simple. We want to show you how to protect your family and how to protect your money, and that's what we try to do every single week. I find more and more people who say that they listen to the show a lot, so thank you so much for listening. And if you have questions, by the way, if you have topics that you'd like to have covered, you've got some curiosity, make a quick call to my office and simply say, why don't you ask Ray and the crew at some point to talk about XYZ, or mm-hmm. talk about how to save your acorns from the oak tree. Or acorns. Acorns. That's that's a new one. Yes. We, what number would they call for the acorns? Well, the A number, of course. <laughs> but I watch the squirrels every morning. I feed squirrels little peanuts and stuff like that. And I enjoy the combat between the blue jays and the squirrels because they both want those peanuts. And the blue jays will swoop down right smack in front of the squirrel and pick up a nut right in front of them. Sure. It's sort of sure. like capitalism when you think about it, isn't it? <laughs> oh, no, here we go. <laughs> it's just Aesop's fables version of capitalism, right? <laughs> what are you, nuts? <laughs> All right, no more discussion about But what is peanuts. the number what at is, USA? Well, oh, well, it's 508-998-8858. Mm-hmm. There we go. See, I was so cut up in my squirrel stories that I didn't even give you the number. Well, first thing I'd like to do this morning, ladies and gentlemen, is introduce my dear wife, Tenny Lance, attorney Tenny Lance. Good morning, Tenny. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Small but powerful. Very powerful. describe her. Very. (laughs) I wish I were smaller, but... See, she's five foot two, so that's why I I call her that. But (laughs) she's actually very talented, very experienced. You bet. She really knows her subjects. She knows her topic. And most importantly, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't had a chance to meet Tenny, she really is a very caring person. Truly. She was a Girl Scout at one time. She's active in her church. Mm-hmm. And you may not remember or know that she is um, directly responsible for making many of the improvements in the historic district in downtown New Bedford. Absolutely, yep. She helped write the grants that got the cobblestones put back down on William Street and the mm-hmm. gaslights. She wrote a grant that got the Andrew Robeson House, which is diagonally across from Freestones. Uh, she got a grant that helped move the building down William Street and put it into its present foundation. And so many, many, many things um, as president of the Board of Directors of Whale. So she has a real love for the city, and she has a real caring attitude about the people that yeah. work in the city. It's who she is. Yep. Yep. It's who Absolutely. she is. You should buy her a nice drink or uh, take her out to a nice dinner at the Greasy Luck downtown, brand, brand new. And it's filled with a lot of the older artifacts, some of the old gas lamps. Nice. Neat. And um, some of the old whaling things. 
Well, yeah. we'll do That's that, but cool. greasy luck. The reason I was saying Great. all these nice things this morning is so that I wouldn't have to take Crofton to you see. You've ruined it for me. <laughs> he, wanted Ray, you, he wanted you to take him out. <laughs> we really do need to get downtown more often. We Unfortunately, we work along uh, a lot of hours and therefore are often at the office past dinner time and just need to go home. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'd love to go to that place. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this morning we're going to talk about Medicaid, and it's a real important subject because a lot of people confuse Medicaid with Medicare. They confuse when do you have to apply for Medicare with when do you have to apply for Social Security, for example. There's still much confusion in this whole area. And a lot of what Tenny does in her law practice is to help people to protect their house, save their house. Um, I don't know about you, Tenny, but I find that many of the clients and people that I meet with in my business at USA Wealth Group, uh, their number one concern is to figure out how to protect their house. Do you find the same? Yes, I do. And what's very interesting is when I first began doing estate planning many years ago, um, when I had discussions about estate planning interest documents that can be of help and so forth, there was rarely a conversation about how to save your assets from the nursing home. Now, there hardly ever is a consultation with a client where that subject doesn't come up. And so I really have to build in a two-part conversation whenever I talk about estate planning, both now when you're at a, uh, a reasonably young age, maybe 50s or 60s, and what you may want to be doing in the future when you're an older person mm -hmm. or couple. So I thought it was um, appropriate today that we have a few quotations about aging and getting older because it's something that we all face and have to, to look at. Mm. And a lot of times I have people who say, I wish I weren't so old. <laughs> I, uh, I wish I didn't have to get old. I would wish I didn't have these aches and pains. And then I always say it's better than the alternative. You bet. It's better than not getting old. So here's a couple of quotes for you. None are so old as those who have outlived enthusiasm. Henry David Thoreau. Like that. So you have to have energy and enthusiasm. If you do, you'll never get old. And... Michael Pritchard said, you don't stop laughing because you grow old. You grow old because you stop laughing. I like that one, too. Yeah, I like that one, too. And I've got a few quotations I'll give you afterwards from uh, our new uh, Secretary of Defense nominee. Um, I'll, I'll give you only the clean versions. <laughs> and we, we actually talked about some of these quotes ahead of time briefly. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, so and I decided can't say, which ones you won't use. I can't say the wrong thing on the air. <laughs> he he is known for his colorful remarks. Mad dog, plain speaking. Oh, love him, love him. <laughs> so let's plain talk. Speaking, I like yes, that <laughs> exactly. Plain speaking, and uh, the fact that he's a former Marine Corps four-star general helps also. Absolutely, it uh, gives him a high elevation in my book. Mm -hmm. So, Tenny, how does somebody reach you if they want to find out more about Medicaid and how can they have, uh, how can they qualify somebody to receive Medicaid assistance without losing everything? How do they reach you? Well, we'd be happy to sit and speak with people. Our initial consultations are free, and we are available at 508 
998-8800. If you call there and say that you'd like to come in and have a conversation, we would be happy to put you on our schedule. So let's come down to the first basic question. What's the difference between Medicaid and Medicare? Because I know a lot of people confuse them. Medicare is the health insurance program that everyone over 65 enrolls in. And what that pays for is hospitals and nurses and uh, doctor's visits, those kinds of things. There is also the component known as Part D that pays for prescription drugs. But Medicare does not pay for long-term care. Like so, nursing homes. Like nursing homes or uh, the, the word that is preferred now is a skilled nursing facility. Mm. But uh, no, Medicare does not pay for that unless you happen to go to the skilled nursing facility from a hospital, having spent three nights in the hospital, admitted, not under observation, which the hospital is doing more and more now. And if you're um, essentially referred from the hospital to the facility, then Medicare can pay up to 90 days. So General James Mattis would say, it's not a skilled nursing facility. It's a nursing home. <laughs> Let's get those words out. Right? I know, but it's, uh, it's the preferred term now. I have to give you a quote. This is my introduction to give you my first quote from uh, General James Mad Dog Mattis. Um, former retired uh, Marine Corps general, he said, I don't lose any sleep at night over the potential for failure. I cannot even spell the word. Isn't <laughs> <laughs> that cool? I like that. He and Trump are going to be interesting oh partners. Oh, you bet. <laughs> he also said, uh, engage your brain before you engage your weapon. Oh, I like that. He's just plain spoken kind of a guy. Oh. Uh-huh. So, Tenny, um, if Medicare is really a health program and it doesn't pay for long-term care and somebody has to go to a long-term care nursing facility, um, how do they pay for it? Um, how does, are they a private pay patient? If they have money, they have to spend their money down first, I guess. Yes, there really are only two ways to pay for a skilled nursing facility. <laughs> and okay. the first is to be a private pay patient, and nobody wants to be that because in that situation you are losing your own funds you and draining them down. Is that expensive? Oh, gosh. Nursing facilities are now in the range of 450 to $500 a day. Upwards of $15,000 a month. A month. So think about spending $15,000 a month, ladies and gentlemen. And how much is that annually, Tenny? Well, it's, it's over $100,000, and uh, it doesn't take long for that to build up. Well, 15 times 10 is 150000 so you could be looking at maybe $160,000, $175,000 a year for one year in a nursing home. And that's what you get to do, I guess, if you have... Money in the bank, money in investments, money that's available that you have to spend. Money that's unprotected, yes. Can't you just give it away to somebody? The um, Medicare, Medicaid program that we are talking about is the other way of paying for a nursing facility. And that is administered both by federal legislation and regulations and state 
legislation and regulations. And under the federal ones, you cannot give anything away in the prior five years to the time when you want to get on Medicaid. Okay, so if you have a lot of money in the bank or you've got some investments or I guess even an IRA account, for example, maybe you've got equity in your house um, and you think, oh my gosh, my spouse, my parent is going to have to go to into a, a nursing home probably next year. I've got to get rid of all these assets so that I can qualify for Medicaid. Can you do that? It depends on what you mean by get rid of them. Can you give them um, away to kids? Can you... Not within the five-year time frame before going into a nursing facility, no. All right, so you get a five-year look-back period then. Right, and the interesting thing about Medicaid is is that you don't automatically qualify for it and then have to be denied. You have to first qualify for it, and therefore the state can deny you. It's not like a right program. It's not... Um, something that you are automatically guaranteed. You first have to sort of pass through all these hoops of not being found to have done anything naughty, as the state defines it, in the prior five years. I think, I think Mad Dog would ask the question this way. So how poor do you have to be to get Medicaid? <laughs> Straightforwardly, if you're a couple... You can only have $121,000 between you. Aha. Uh -huh. So the, the couple who's married, if one goes to a nursing home, the other one gets to keep 100 and how much? Well, the person in the nursing home is called the institutionalized spouse. Isn't that a wonderful term? And that person can keep 2000 in his or her name. And the person who is married to the institutionalized spouse is called the community spouse. So that's the at-home spouse. That's the, the person who's at home. And the at-home spouse gets to keep 120-something? Huh, terrible terms. The at-home spouse gets to keep 119,000. So together, ah, okay. they can keep 121. Wow. But you have to do planning for that, too, because if you've got more money than that, I mean, I heard you can do gifting. The, doesn't the IRS live that you give away $14,000 a year to your children each, for example? Sure, but the gift tax law is not the Medicaid law. Okay. And so they don't mesh together very well at all. As far as Medicaid is concerned, you can't give away a dime in the prior five years to five anybody years. other than your spouse. Well, how do they prove it? How do they prove that you gave away money in the last five years? The application package that goes into the state is very voluminous, and it contains five years in mad dog terms. That's big. <laughs> and <laughs> it requires five years of statements on every account that you have had in the past five years. Right, Bank so accounts, annuities, stock accounts, all I those mean, things. We assume that everybody listening is an honest person. What if somebody leaves out a bank account? I guess they could find it anyway, couldn't they? They find it because they trace you through your Social Security number. Aha. Uh -huh. Okay. So you can't hide this information, ladies and gentlemen, from the state officials. You have to disclose everything. And do you also sign the application under penalties of perjury? Yes, you know this, yes. Well, I know, but I'm, I'm asking you. You've got to pretend here, Tenny. You've got to help me out here a little bit. 
<laughs> Absolutely you do. And so there is the potential that Granny would get prosecuted. Uh, but it's, I don't know of any having happened. Right. You just get denied. So I'm acting like I'm a dummy so you can ask, answer some <laughs> questions for me. <laughs> well, let me give you another quotation from Bob Hope. I'm so old they've canceled my blood type. <laughs> And then the other favorite one I had, for those of you who will remember Lucille Ball, the secret of staying young is to live honestly, eat slowly, and lie about your age. (laughs) I thought she was going to say, and drink a lot. Well, she probably did that, too. (laughs) Loved Lucy. All right, so Medicaid is a serious issue, isn't it? It's a very expensive cost to the state. It's a very expensive cost to the federal government. So... They want to make sure that only people who really don't have any assets can qualify for Medicaid. It's a program for the poor. It was designed that way. The problem is so many people nowadays are ending up in nursing facilities and uh, require the payment that uh, is this 150000 or so a year. Um, the statistics in Massachusetts are really startling. There are about a million people in this state who are being served by the Medicaid long-term care program. That's a lot. That's a lot. And what the state says is that it pays somewhere in excess of $300 per day for everybody on that program. So guess what? Medicaid is the largest single item in the state budget. Interesting. Really interesting. That is. People don't realize that, I suspect. And, you know, we're talking about Medicaid and we're talking about, we're going to be talking about some ideas about how to protect your house and what what can you do to protect assets if you plan far enough ahead of time and have proper documents and things of that nature. We are talking with Attorney Tenny Lance this morning. Uh, She really knows quite a lot about this subject. And you do for a fair amount of Medicaid applications and Uh, helping people qualify for Medicaid, don't you, Tenny? Yes, I've been doing Medicaid applications for just about 20 years now. So far, I have not had one rejected. It doesn't mean that it doesn't take a lot of work. And usually the initial applications get denied and have to go to appeal. But uh, ultimately, we get the people on the Medicaid program. And if somebody wants to reach you to find out more about their own particular case, um, what number do they call you at and what website and so forth can they look at? Our phone number is 508-998-8800. And our website is at. I don't even know. I'm Lance, bad at websites. Uh, no, um, it's uh, lancelaw.com. Yep. Info at lancelaw.com is our email, and the website is www.lancelawinc.com. Sorry about that. Okay, it's uh, Mad Dog warning time. Here's another quotation from General Mad Dog Mattis, who's going to be our new Secretary of Defense, it looks like. It's very hard to live with yourself if you don't stick with your moral code. So I thought that was a good indication of his character and his personality. Why do they call him Mad Dog? I don't think you'd want to find out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the mascot of the Marine Corps is a bulldog, right? Uh, It's one of the mascots of the Marine Corps, yep, uh, the bulldog, and that came out of World War I. Um, 
And it came out of the fact that the Germans, the German army, thought that the Marines fighting in World War I were so tenacious and so ferocious that they gave them the name Devil Dogs. And that name has stuck ever since World War I. Interesting. So it's one of the many names that Marines are called. Some of them are not mentionable on the air. <laughs> but uh, Devil Dogs is certainly one that they feel proud of because it was given by an opponent to them. And then mm -hmm. from there, it, it, they devolved into you know, the Bulldog as the little mascot and so forth. Good time to give a plug to the Marines' Toys for Tots. Absolutely. You know, um, there are so many places in our community, ladies and gentlemen, where you can donate a new unwrapped toy that will really make uh, a beautiful Christmas for some young person who may not otherwise have a Christmas. So if you've done your shopping and if you have a little extra that you can make somebody else's life really enjoyable, here's what I'll tell you to do. Buy a toy, an, a new unwrapped toy, and take it with your kids. And take it down to a Toys for Tots collection center and let your kids be part of donating that toy for somebody nice. who doesn't have it. Because that's going to not only help some young child, but it's going to help teach a very important lesson to your kids that it's important to help others. Nice idea. And we have a collection center at our office on Fonts Corner Road. There's a sign out front to let you know that we're there. Right. 352 Fonts Corner Road uh, in Dartmouth. Um, on the left-hand side as you're going up the street towards Hawthorne Medical. And there's also one at the State Police Barracks on the right-hand side of Fonts Corner Road, uh, just right around the, where the railroad track is. Um, so here's my special message. All you folks who are visiting Hawthorne Medical and going for medical treatment, and there are probably a couple of thousand people every single day going up that road for medical treatment, bring a toy with you. You've, you've got a couple more weeks that you can still donate something. Swing into our office, pick up a piece of literature if you want. You don't have to do that, but just leave a toy. Um, we'll take your picture with our dog, Willow. The Peter's dog is our office mascot, Willow. Not a mad dog, though. He's not a mad dog. He's, she's a very <laughs> gentle dog. She's a sweetheart. But Or stop in the state police barracks. They'll be happy to say thank you, and you're going to make somebody's life uh, really special. So toys for tots for Christmas. Thanks for that good reminder, Phil. Um, Tenny, should people rely upon advice from government officials when they're doing their Medicaid applications? Who should they look to for information on how to complete a Medicaid app? Well, um, it's, it's hard to say whether government officials up at the, for example, Taunton Office of Medicaid would give you uh, as much advice as you want. They are not inclined to be saving money for you. They're inclined to make sure that they screen out as many people as possible to reduce the cost to the state. So um, although the workers in Taunton are good people, they're very... Um, helpful, they work hard, I have nothing bad to say about them, but I wouldn't go to them to ask for advice. I would seek somebody who might know some loopholes in the law. Loopholes? Loopholes, <laughs> wonderful well, things. I know one of the things you have in your office, Tenny, is you've got an, a little one-page folder brochure called Your Guide to Medicaid Benefits. That would be important if somebody wants that. They could uh, probably yep. call your office and get a copy sent to them, I assume? Yes, they could. They could call 
800-288-8800. We'd be happy to send them that brochure. Mm-hmm. All right, so we've talked a little bit about gifting and the fact that when we say you can give away $14,000 a year, that's really a tax provision. That doesn't apply if you're going to give away assets in order to try to make yourself eligible for Medicaid. Uh, unless you comply with that five-year look-back period, there's so much misinformation out there about Medicaid. There truly is. That, that gifting is one of them. The other um, seems to be that people think, well, I'm going to transfer my house to my kids, and uh, that's allowed, so uh, that won't be a problem to me. That absolutely is not the case. But there are ways that you can do that. There are ways that you can transfer your house. There are ways that you can have an adult child living in your house with you that might qualify as a caregiver exemption. So we're going to talk about some of these things right after a very short break. Stay tuned. We're going to want to show you what you can do to help protect your assets from the unusual cost of a nursing home. We'll be right back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to MoneyWise. Every week, the folks at USA Wealth Group bring you this special show and our goal is to show you how that you can take care of your family better. Our special guest this morning is attorney Tenny Lance, and she's talking about Medicaid benefits. And we know that Medicaid is a program, Tenny, that uh, helps pay for the cost of a nursing home if somebody has to go to a nursing home. And it's something that people are very afraid about because they don't want to lose their house, they don't want to lose their assets. And so there are some planning things that people can do, aren't there? I uh, guess the first one would be sort of basic documents, wouldn't it? Yes. Planning is uh, what we recommend to everybody, and the sooner you do it, the better. Um, basic documents that we think that everyone should have are a will and a trust, um, as we have said that many, many times, because that will provide what will happen to your assets after you're gone. Uh, our preference is to have everybody have a living trust, but some people want only a will. Other documents that we are very anxious for people to have is a durable power of attorney for property. Was that adorable power of attorney? It's durable. not adorable. Durable power of attorney. An adorable. I don't know about you, Phil. I have a, an adorable power of attorney. <laughs> I I disbelieve that. That's beautiful. (laughs) Adorable. Durable power of attorney. That means it's in place whether or not you are incapacitated. Uh, Maybe you want to just take a trip around the world and not pay your bills while you're gone. You want somebody else to pay them for you. The durable power of attorney can do that. But seriously, the most important part of a power of attorney is that if you are incapacitated, um, maybe you've been, um, heaven forbid, run over by a truck and mentally um, not there, or you might be um, physically unable to sign, whatever. The durable power of attorney agent can take care of your property for you, and that's very important. We use those documents a lot. Um, Obviously, everyone should have health care documents, including a health care power of attorney that names your agent, somebody who can take care of your body if you're not able to do that yourself, and a HIPAA release and, and so forth. So there are lots of basic planning documents that everyone should have. 
By the way, Tenny, I'd also mentioned we talked before the break about the fact that you've got this little one-page Your Guide to Medicaid Benefits, but you also have something that's even much more detailed, don't you? What's that called? We have something called a Family Guide to Medicaid Planning, and that's a little more uh, in-depth and helpful to uh, have people understand how to plan for this potential calamity. So ladies and gentlemen, if you're not taking a little bit of effort to just make a call and send for a brochure or make an appointment and get more information, then you're really perhaps not doing as much as you could be doing to protect your family. It's really that simple. Tony, what about the house? I mean, everybody's concern is the house. So I've heard something about there's an adult caregiver exception to the Medicaid rule. How does that work? Well, remember we talked about loopholes, and you laughed, but there are these uh, provisions called loopholes in the law, and one of them is the caregiver exemption. What that means is that if you have a child, cannot be a grandchild, cannot be a nephew, cousin, niece, whatever, has to be a child. If you have a child who lives in your home for two years, while otherwise you would have had to have been in a nursing home, then you can give the house to that caregiver child without a penalty. And that, of course, is very different from what we said initially about you can't give anything away within the five years prior to wanting Medicaid. This is a wonderful exemption that uh, is in the law and legally allows people to give their house to somebody who has cared for them. Mm. I'd like to pop in a little quote on aging from Satchel Page. Mm -hmm. Satchel Page once said, how old would you be if you didn't know how old you were? Hmm. I'd be 35. I don't oh, know about yeah. you. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I'd, I'd probably be about 26, I think, because I was young and virile and in the Marine Corps Reserve at the time, and uh, that would have been a great time to really know everything I know now. Wouldn't that be amazing? That's the problem. You don't know at those ages what you now know. Was he a mad dog at one time? That's what I wanted. Uh, uh, his no, father was a, was a mad dog. My father oh, my was heavens. a mad dog. <laughs> he was a Marine's Marine. Oh, he, really, wow. he really was. My, yeah. dad, my dad truly was. He, he would inspect the two sons as they left the house to make sure their belt buckle oh, was properly in the oh. middle of their... Military alignment had, yes. had to be lined up. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And you never saw that man without polished shoes. Something that we don't see a lot of today, no. unfortunately. Well, Tenny, let me come back and ask you a question. We talked a little bit about the fact of you've got a married couple and one has to go to a nursing home and that person gets to keep $2,000 and then the one at home gets to keep 119000 What if you have a person who's single? Maybe they've never married or they're divorced or their spouse has died and now you've got a single person, maybe it's a parent, and they might have to go to a nursing home. What can they protect when they go to a nursing home? Much tougher situation. Single people really can't protect a whole lot. If they do have a child that's been living with them, they can give the house to that child, but very little else. Um, they don't have to sell their house right away, but eventually they won't have any way of carrying that house because carrying in the sense of taxes and insurance and so forth because all of their income has to go to the nursing home. So the house is likely to 
be required to be sold. They can keep one car. I never could figure out why the state allowed you to keep a car when you're confined to a nursing facility, but you can keep one car. You can have fairly elaborate funeral plans. So if you haven't, ladies and gentlemen, planned your funeral with a funeral home and paid for it in advance, that's a good thing to do because that contract is an exempt asset. But that probably ought to be done with some planning and discussion with you because there are a multiple of different ways that you can plan for your funeral. You can, uh, for example, prepay a funeral home in advance, but you can also buy a funeral insurance policy, and that might be a, a good thing to consider. Uh, you used to be able to do that more easily in Massachusetts. It's not so easy to do that any longer. Um, Mass Health has significantly uh, limited that. And so planning with a funeral home is probably uh, the best thing to do at this point. So if you had to put a quick summary on the most important steps you ought to take for planning to protect your home, to protect your assets, I guess the first step would be get some documents in place, right? Well, first of all, plan early. Yep. Secondly, don't throw everything away that you get from banks and um investment companies or whatever because you're going to need five years of records. What happens so, if somebody did throw all their papers away? Now what do you do? Well, you have to go back to the source and get five years. There is uh, the provision that the banks are not allowed to charge you if you uh, ask for the five years. However, some federal banks, some national, I should say, banks, say, we're not subject to Massachusetts law, we're subject only to federal law, so they're going to charge. Mm -hmm. So to save yourself a lot of hassle and cost, mm -hmm. keep your records. Just put them in a file cabinet somewhere or a desk drawer or something. Keep them. So the, the key is, one, make sure you've got proper documents in place, but the second thing is you need to plan early, it sounds like. You need at least five years. So That's, what kind of things could you do? For example, um, do you do any kind of a special trust where you can take property out of somebody's name and if five years goes by, then it might be protected, for example? Well, we are doing um, more and more what is called irrevocable trusts to protect the house. And they are still um, uh, difficult for many people to utilize and accept because when you do that kind of document, you essentially eliminate your control over that property. You, uh, it's almost like giving it away uh, because you have to name somebody else to be the trustee, and the trustee is the manager. And so, like, for example, let's say it's a parent who wants to protect the house, and typically that's the most important thing that they're concerned about. What can I do to protect my house? I want to make sure that no matter what, in case I ever have to go to a nursing home, um, could they set up one of these irrevocable kinds of trusts and name a child as the trustee, for example? Yes, they certainly can. They need five years ahead of when they think they might go into a nursing facility in order to do that. And can the parent continue to live there? Absolutely. The parent not only continues to live there, but continues to have the obligation to pay the tax bills and the utilities and the water and sewer and all those other things. So what you really need to do is you have to have a, a child that you can trust or another 
person or a relative or family member that you can trust and name them as a trustee. And then what do you do? You set up this thing called the irrevocable income-only trust? Yes, and it doesn't need to be a child. Uh, could be a brother, could be a cousin, could be a nephew. Um, anybody that you feel comfortable with that would work with you and um, be trustworthy over time. So the document is called an irrevocable income-only trust, and uh, it is something that... Uh, we can put in place for people. We, we do more and more of these because more and more folks are concerned about their property. And ladies and gentlemen, if you are interested in finding out more about that, um, give attorney Tenny Lance a call at 508-998-8800 and simply make an appointment to go see her. Get your questions answered. Um, take some action, as we always like to say. Um, quick reminder, we did mention it during the first half hour, is that this is the season for Toys for Tots. Um, it's the season for the Neediest Family Fund, Neediest Families Fund. And take some time to do something to help somebody else this season. You know, we're still not in a phenomenal economy in this country. There's a lot of people who have need. Uh, there's nothing worse than somebody who might go hungry at Christmas time or a child that doesn't have any money in the family and isn't going to get something for Christmas. It's just, you know, one of the saddest things that I can certainly imagine. So bring an unwrapped toy and donate it to Toys for Tots. You're going to feel so good when you do that. You can drop it off on Fonts Corner Road at the State Police Barracks. On the right-hand side as you're heading north, you can drop it off um, on the left-hand side at 352 Fonts Corner Road at our office. We are a collection point. You'll see the Marine Corps flag flying proudly out front of the office, right beneath the uh, United States flag, American flag. Um, I would like to mention another uh, wonderful charity that you will feel great in giving to at Christmas time, and that's Salvation Army. As you come out of grocery stores, there's almost always some good volunteer ringing a bell and reminding you that you can be of help. Drop a dollar in the bucket. It doesn't hurt much. You know, the Salvation Army is the most efficiently operated charity in the United States of America. Great. Something like 4% of the money they raise is used for administration costs. 96% goes directly to help people, you know, people who are burned out and flooded out and everything else. Yep. And that's a very low percentage. Mm -hmm. Having worked in the nonprofit sector, I know many are up at the 18 to 20 percent um, administrative cost range. So the Salvation Army is wonderful. Yep, yes. they're a great organization. So here's how, you, here's how I do it. And I give more than once. Don't just think if you gave a dollar to Salvation Army, you've done your job for the year. When I walk in the store and I see the Salvation Army bucket, as I'm starting to shop, let's say it's Walmart, I pull a dollar out of my pocket and I'll tuck it in my outside jacket mm -hmm. pocket. And then when I walk out, I don't have to fumble through my wallet. I just put the dollar in the bucket. Um, do something to help others. This is what this country is all about. So, Teddy, we've talked about uh, some really important Medicaid issues. We've talked about uh, how it's much different for a single person. And the most important thing is to do some planning in advance. Um, 
Talk to me for a minute about funeral homes and, and prepaying funeral and burial expenses and why that's important. We talked briefly about it. Well, because the state says that if you prepay your funeral, the expense that you go to is not what's called a disqualifying transfer. You are allowed to pay for your funeral excuse me, funeral in advance. And uh, the state doesn't really um, set much of a limit on that, I mean, within reason. So funeral these days are in the ten to $15,000 range, many of them. And if you spend that up front for a funeral home, that's an exempt expenditure. Now, what if somebody, let's say it's a couple, because um, I know that you had a situation like this just recently, and the gentleman has to go to the nursing home, and the wife is healthier, and she's at home, and they've got their $121,000 set aside, but there's more money on top of that. What can you do with the extra money? Well, you can take that extra money and make it of benefit to the community spouse, the spouse that's at home. The at-home person, yep. yep. You can purchase something called an immediate annuity, and that... Um, it's it's almost like magic. It converts an asset into a source of income for the community spouse. So the person who is at home, who's now living on lower amounts of income because her spouse in the nursing home has to spend all of his income on the nursing home, so the community spouse is deprived of his income. Suddenly, with an immediate annuity, the community spouse is given additional income from that annuity to live on, to pay all of her or his regular expenses. And that might be useful for another reason, too, because so let's say the husband's in the nursing home and he's now eligible on Medicaid and the wife who's at home gets to keep the $121,000. And then you took, say, an extra $90,000, which was in their bank, and you put it into this immediate annuity it's no longer an asset that has to get spent to the nursing home. And instead, she gets to keep the income that that's generating. And that's going to be important because if the husband dies in the nursing home, um, maybe they had two Social Security checks before. Now they're only going to have one. So part of their income is going to go down. So having that additional income could be really important. Oh, it's very important, yes. Um, the state recognizes that there is something called a minimum monthly maintenance needs allowance, the MMMNA. And <laughs> it allows the community spouse to be given that amount of money from whatever source um, in order to live on. But it's really not a huge amount of money. It's a little less than $2,000. And so that amount to, to live on for monthly expenses of food and taxes and all of those sorts of things is not really very much. So the SPIA comes in to help in that, uh, the immediate annuity. So the important point really is that there are rules and there are laws which are designed to make you pay privately and spend on all of your money. But there are some exemptions and some exceptions, and there are some really important planning things that you can do. And in order to do some of these planning things, you need things like durable powers of attorney, uh, to do them. Yes, exactly. And the house is a whole different issue by itself. So if these things are important to you who are listening today, or if you think they're important to a neighbor or a family member, uh, you really need to sit down and get some advice. If you don't take action, nobody's going to do that for you. 
I might mention one interesting thing. Many people come into the office and they think that retirement assets, whether they are IRAs or Roth IRAs or some other kinds of investments, 401ks and so forth, are exempt from the spend down, and they are not. The uh, state expects, even if you have to pay excessive income tax, to take those assets and um, get um, access to them and spend them. That's what you have to do. So I was going to give this as a question to Phil. It's a quotation question, but I think I'm going to give it to Tenney instead. Uh, a gentleman named Robert Quillen said, as we grow older, our bodies get shorter <laughs> and our stories get longer. <laughs> Do you think I've been telling stories? No, I think you're getting shorter. <laughs> I wish I would get thinner, but that doesn't seem to happen. <laughs> they, they don't I'm always, shrinking. They don't always go hand in hand. I'm shrinking. Well, this is a quote for you, Phil, from George Burns. Right. You can't help getting older, but you don't have to get old. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Isn't that a good one? I yeah. like that one a lot. So, Tenny... Um, Obviously, protecting the house is one of the most important things that concerns everybody. Um, you know, you do things like declarations of homestead. Uh, let's talk about that for a minute. Somebody says, well, I'm going to protect my house because I'm going to put a homestead declaration on. Is that going to help them from the nursing home cost? Unfortunately, no. The homestead does a lot of good things, and it's uh, probably the cheapest insurance that you can buy. But the homestead does not protect from the spend down. It uh, only protects the equity in the house if you should uh, be sued by somebody or go bankrupt or so forth. But it does not protect for Medicaid purposes. And I know sometimes in the past um, you've helped people to apply for long-term care insurance because long-term care insurance is something that will pay for nursing home costs or at-home costs, but that's not as popular today as it used to be, is it? It's not as popular for a couple of reasons. One, it's quite expensive. Two, it's expensive to the company, and so fewer and fewer companies have been willing to issue those policies. Uh, but nevertheless, long-term care insurance, if you can afford it, is a very um, attractive way to protect your house because if you have a minimum policy, so-called, in place, then you will not have a lien placed on your house if you should go into a nursing home. Now, you've had an experience yourself because you have John Hancock long-term care insurance, but what happened to you recently? Well, I had um, the insurance for about gosh, 18 years or something like that, and paid what I thought was a fairly reasonable annual premium. Suddenly, they uh, increased the premium and reduced the benefit level. And so, although I had a very extensive policy before, what I have now is the minimum policy. And that's fine for me, because I understand that long-term care insurance is not going to pay the full price of the nursing home, what it's going to do is to protect my house. And staying in the home is very important. If you had long-term care insurance, you could do that. The most important piece of advice I would give today about long-term care insurance, and we do it occasionally, is that if you're going to get it, make sure it's coupled with a life insurance death benefit as well. Mm -hmm. So that way, if you pay out premiums over a longer period of time, um, and you never have to go to a nursing home, 
then when you die, you're going to get back at least all the value of all the premiums that you paid out. Yeah, the older policies didn't have those attachments, but the newer ones do. Right. And by the way, insurance companies almost never go out of business or fail. And this past week on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, there's a company, I'm sorry, I didn't bring it with me to remember the name. It's not a well-known name company. Uh, has gone out of business, a long-term care insurance company. Their policies will probably be taken over by another company, but then there'll be some premium increases. So you need to be really careful when you shop for that. Well, I'd like to just basically close by reminding people to visit us at usawealthgroup.com. Give us a call at 508-998-8858 if we can help you with any financial issues. And Tenny, um, a very special thank you to you for being on the show today. You have a really impressive knowledge about Medicaid and protecting people's assets. And I think a lot of times people take that kind of thing for granted. They don't realize um, the knowledge that you have and the caring that you bring to people and to their families. Indeed. So thank you again for being a guest and for helping all the people that you help. Thank you for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, get some advice. Do something to protect your family. Do something to protect your money. Take the time to make that call, Tenny, to what number? 508-998-8800. So I have to leave you with two very simple quotations this morning. One is from Virginia Woolf. She was an author during the Victorian era. Victorian era. She was a little bit strange. She said, I don't believe in aging. I believe in forever altering one's aspect to the sun. That's kind of weird. And my last thought I'm going to leave you today, ladies and gentlemen, is from Betty White. Betty White said, My mother used to always say, the older you get, the better you get, unless you're a banana. Thank you for listening.